Coming up on Medical Minefield, our very own Eve Simmons. I became very anxious last year, asked my GP for a prescription for antidepressants. Within a week, I started to feel much worse. I would wake up completely frozen with fear and panic. The doctor said to me, which I hadn't even thought of, it is likely the antidepressants. And Professor Joanna Moncrief. I'm not against people taking medication, but I just really do want people to know exactly what it's doing and to know the limits of what we know about these drugs. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're asking, is it worth sticking with antidepressants even if they're causing terrible side effects? As ever, we'd like to know what you think, so if you have a question or a suggestion for us, tweet us at MedMinefield. So, Eve, this story, uh, as many of our stories seem to emerge from your own personal experiences. Yeah. Last week, you wrote on your Substack about something that I knew had happened, but mm. obviously didn't know in as much detail as I, I do now, mm. that when you most recently started taking antidepressants, I think it was last summer, wasn't it? It was the end of last summer. It was around about September, yeah. Uh, that you'd suffered some quite alarming side effects. And in fact, the, the reason I knew about that was because I got a phone call around that time quite unexpectedly from you saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to come into work because I think I'm going mad. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it was the first time that that's ever happened to me. I've always felt, as you know, that even if I'm having a time that's not ideal, that work has been one thing that's been stable and fine and I'm able to sort of tap out of whatever else is going on in my life. Uh, we, we talk about this all the time mm. and I, I think we're probably quite lucky in that our job is quite absorbing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because it involves reading and learning about new things and talking to people about things we don't know and asking questions all the time, it, it really takes you out of yourself mm. working as a as a reporter. So yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. That that it is a bit of a sanctuary away from away from life. Yeah, and I think ways. that's why this particular occasion was really distressing because I realised even working from home, I sat on my laptop and the words were just jumbled and I couldn't, I was so writhing with anxiety that I couldn't focus on anything. I was full of panic. My whole body was incredibly tense. I was very tearful. And yeah, I felt as though I was going insane. To go backwards in time a bit, mm. what was it that led you to start taking antidepressants? Because you've written and we've spoken about this before on the podcast that you first took antidepressants as a teenager when you were 15 mm. and you found them very helpful yeah. and then there was another period of time a short period of time I think in your 20s mm -hmm. so this is the third time that you've uh, had a prescription for antidepressants. Yeah since I was about 15 I've suffered with quite short-lived bouts of anxiety I would say the most severe was when it first started when I was 15 I was kind of riddled with the intrusive thoughts. And I think also often the first episode, especially at that age, is, is the most kind of scary because you don't know what's going on. With me, it, it often kind of starts with something that's seemingly relatively rational or could happen and then merges into just being anxious about being anxious. So I'll 
I almost like I, I know what makes me anxious and so I sort of trick myself into doing into going down that path it's very it's very bizarre um and I think when you've struggled with it on and off for quite a long time it it almost it's like habit forming in your brain in the way that you think about things and I've had therapy but I think a lot of it stems from my dad being very ill when I was a child and and being around a sort of anxiety inducing environment for quite a long time in quite a formative period of my life but you know I've, I've learned strategies to deal with it and thankfully it doesn't really seem to be a problem apart from when there's kind of stressful things going on in my life on some occasions those stressful events have triggered a bout of anxiety that is usually completely unrelated to I, I kind of come up with things to worry about that are completely unrelated to the actual thing that's going on very illogical and, and and i know last year there was there was quite a few stressful things going on there was quite a few stressful things going on i was getting married my mother is on her own and she was moving house and she had nowhere to live for a period of time as she was staying with me and then i think coming off the back of covid there was lots of things and um i'd also relatively recently moved to a house in the countryside which was quite isolating so my life of sort of seeing my friends all the time i wasn't really seeing anyone that often so I became very anxious in about around about August last year and it got to the point where I thought, do you know what, I, I think that I need to do something about this. It had only been going on for about two months or something, mm. but I tried to nip it in the bud quite early and think, well, I'm just going to go and get some medical help. Asked my GP for a prescription for antidepressants. I was very confident that I would take fluoxetine. I have been on that drug twice before in my life. So I felt familiar with it. I thought, fine, I know it's safe. I know I get on okay with it. I'll take fluoxetine, which some people may know as Prozac. Within a week, I started to feel much worse. It kind of went from, I'm a bit anxious, but I can go to work. I can be distracted by things. I can still function. I can still have a nice day to completely not being able to function. I would wake up and I would be just terrified of everything completely frozen with fear and panic, very tearful, not able to concentrate on anything. There was something that you described in the Substack, and you're mm. writing about it further in this weekend's Mail on Sunday, mm. that you felt like you were having out-of-body experiences. Yeah, so I remember lying on the sofa and feeling as though I was almost disconnected from my body. I didn't know who I was. I felt like I was sort of swimming in this amorphous abyss and I didn't recognise anything about myself or my surroundings. It was very strange. Obviously, I did recognise my surroundings, but on some level, I felt just completely detached and disconnected from everything. And I called the doctor and said, look, this is happening. I'm not sure why. And obviously, my first thought was, I'm going mad. I'm anxious and the anxiety has obviously somehow morphed into, I don't know, some more serious psychiatric illness. I've had an eating disorder before. There must be something wrong with my brain, which obviously then just exacerbates the anxiety further. And the doctor said to me, which I hadn't even thought of, it is likely that this is a reaction to the antidepressants. I was really surprised by this because I'd never had a reaction like this to fluoxetine before. It was almost disbelief to hear that it might not be anything to do with me or my weird brain. I was told that this is very common for the first few weeks of an SSRI to feel very panicky and have strange thoughts and strange experiences. And some people find that these side effects continue for up to two months 
one doctor I spoke to suggested it could be three months. And I was obviously completely panicked by this. I thought, I can't even get through a day without worrying about how I'm going to wake up and go to bed. How am I going to get through two months? So I expressed this concern to him. The GP prescribed a sedative, diazepam. And that actually really helped. It's just, it feels just a bit like being drunk, which was quite nice one evening, just to take away the kind of physical symptoms. And then that sort of helped me feel a little bit calmer. And then eventually I powered through and within about two weeks, I'd say it it passed. And I'm still on them and I've been on them for six months and now I'm right as rain. The point that you made in in your piece Mm. was that you're still an advocate, despite this, for antidepressants. Mm -hmm. But it had thrown you slightly before you had had been very much, they're very good, it's low risk, side effects are transient if they uh, happen at all. When you've written about this before, you've mm. looked into the research and the way that things are described in research, it's very cut and dried. You know, mm. X number of patients experience transient anxiety or slightly worsening symptoms of mm. X or Y. And it's it's all it all seems very sanitised. And, and it's always presented as a certain proportion had side effects that were so bad they had to stop taking it. But there's no more detail about that. So you don't know how long into the course of the antidepressants did they decide that it was enough and they couldn't take it anymore what was the particular side effect that had that extreme impact on the patient. So that there's lots of questions that I realised weren't answered in the research or, or weren't clearly answered in the research. Mm. And at the most extreme end of the scale, there are these worrying cases in which people have taken their own lives. Mm. And the reports from the families often suggest that although they had mental health symptoms, they're dramatically worsened Mm. within weeks of taking the antidepressants Mm. and then taking their own lives Mm. yeah I mean those stories are are horrific and I've I've been contacted by a couple of families after I've written previous pieces advocating for the use of antidepressants and it's it's yeah these kind of stories that the person will have had you know limited history of mental health problems and just had a a kind of slight blip which is why they've gone on the medication and then the medication seems to make things much worse and then it ends in a a really tragic awful outcome those cases are incredibly rare and I guess you could say for any medication you're going to get the 0.1 percent where something terrible happens and and I guess with antidepressants because they're so widely prescribed you are going to see a lot of the more rare side effects, you know, mil- millions and millions of people, as as we saw with the, the COVID jab, mm. you know, we've seen almost every side effect you could possibly have from a vaccine. And there are extremes Absolutely. in these rare cases. And uh, similarly, there's so much that we don't understand about mental health and severe mental illness. And it is possible that somebody does develop a very severe psychiatric illness within you know, two weeks or a month. It's very, very rare, but it happens. So it's really difficult to ascertain what's the medication and what is mental ill health. Mm. But I think the most important thing is that we don't dismiss it and we make sure that patients are aware that this can happen and they should be monitored, if not by a doctor, by somebody who is close to them, who is aware that they're on this medication, who is aware that these things can happen and that they should keep a close eye on them. Do they know anything about what might make you more at risk of developing these side effects? I I suppose the most confusing thing is that you'd taken this medication twice before, Mm. had no side effects, and then this time had a very extreme one. Mm. 
So what do we know about who's going to get them? Mm. Do you always get them? Do they always go away? And then what should you do if you do develop them? Just stick at it? Just persevere? Doctors have said to me, they don't have the answer, but when I have asked those questions, they've said, the only thing we can say is you're a different person. Your brain is different from how it was 10 years ago. Brain chemicals change, synapses change, pathways change. Studies have shown that your way of thinking can actually influence the way that your brain cells communicate with each other. Mm. So I never really thought about it. Sometimes I feel like although the outside of you changes mm. and ages, I feel like everything the inside same, is in the same it's it's like a puzzle. In, yeah. It's in the same state. But I guess I guess it's not like No. That. I mean I've had similar things with the contraceptive pill, for instance. I took the contraceptive pill for many, many, many years and never had any side effects and then took it relatively recently and, and had side effects. And the same logic was applied when I spoke to experts was you're not your body isn't the same as it was ten years ago or whatever. Mm. Interestingly, some experts say if you have a history of anxiety and you're more anxiety prone, you may be more likely, which I guess makes sense, to have the sort of panicky side effects of some of the SSRIs. Fluoxetine, interestingly, the studies do show, is one of the worst offenders. So it's more likely to cause that kind of panic agitation, certainly in the first few weeks, than some of the other SSRIs. And a couple of doctors that I spoke to said they prefer not to prescribe it. They would prescribe another SSRI, such as citalopram, for this reason. And it's interesting that that's sort of not in the guidance. It's not clear that, obviously, if GPs are saying this, they know this to be the facts. But I think it's based more on anecdotes from what they've seen in their patients. And other experts have said to me that it's to do with the disruption of serotonin in the brain once you sort of increase the levels, it can have all sorts of secondary effects on lots of different chemical processes, which may then accentuate feelings of anxiety. But interestingly, what seems to happen is the reason why that it, it sort of levels out and you, you stop getting the side effects is not necessarily because the side effects aren't there. It's just that the therapeutic effect of the drug has kicked in by that point. So therefore, you're less bothered by it because you're happier. <laughs> Mm. I mean, it's a theory, but that's kind of one way of looking at it. And if it is intolerable, mm. but you do need medication, yeah. that there are other options. I would absolutely say I can see now why it wouldn't be possible necessarily for everyone to stick with a drug, even for the first four weeks or two weeks. But I would say if you can try... But if not, there are a host of other options. There's lots of different SSRIs. Everybody interacts differently with different SSRIs. They have different chemical makeups. But also, there's lots of other classes of antidepressants. So if an SSRI isn't working for you, there are other medications to try. So I think it's worth doing that rather than just giving up entirely. And, and the reason why I was also interested in this subject, because I cannot tell you the amount of people I've spoken to over the years who have said, I can't take antidepressants. I don't get on well with them. And every time you say, oh, how long did you try them for? People say, oh, I was on them for about a month. I've heard that just over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Actually, and and but... Dr. Ellie Cannon, I remember she has said to me before, one of the reasons why I see a lot of patients who feel that the antidepressants aren't working is because they don't stick with them for long enough to get the best therapeutic effect. And there are studies showing that twice as many people benefit after the first three months than within the first three months. So it's definitely worth sticking out. 
not everyone agrees with this. And when we've talked about this before, it seems that there is two tribes out there on social media and we've fallen in between because there's a group of doctors, they call themselves critical psychiatrists or part of the critical psychiatry movement um, who believe that the benefits of antidepressants and, and other psychiatric medications have been overplayed, that doctors are too ready to prescribe these drugs thinking that they're going to fix things when in fact they don't. But what they do have is unintended harms. Mm. And if it, they're not benefiting patients, then we shouldn't be giving them or making it very clear about the limited mm. positive effects that they could have and making it also very clear that there are these wide-ranging negative effects mm. and that can be long-lasting. I mean, we, we covered this a while back, the long-lasting sexual mm-hmm. dysfunction that, that people suffer from. Absolutely. And I mean, that is a real thing, isn't it? It is. And we actually have somebody on the line, a doctor who's going to tell us about this because this is her area of expertise. On the line is Joanna Moncrief, who is a psychiatrist and professor of critical and social psychiatry at University College London. Professor Moncrief, we're talking today about side effects from antidepressants, specifically SSRIs, and how long they may last. There's one side effect in particular that you've been very interested in that you think lasts for a lot longer than doctors may have previously thought. Yes, yes. So, we know that a common side effect of SSRIs is sexual dysfunction. That's that's widely recognised and probably the majority of people taking them experience this to some degree. It's erectile dysfunction, it's delayed ejaculation or delayed orgasm, genital anaesthesia, so that the genitals are not as sensitive as they normally are. Also, people experience loss of libido, so loss of interest in sex. Mm. All these complications can last throughout the time that people are taking antidepressants. But most worryingly, for some people, they seem to go on even after they've stopped taking antidepressants. So obviously, this is really worrying if this is a side effect that that we recognise is common and that, you know, even persists after people have stopped taking the medication. Professor Moncrieve, we're talking about the subject of antidepressants again because Eve has um, written about suffering side effects. When she started taking antidepressants, something that she's done on and off, this time was hit by some anxiety that completely floored her. And the message that she is giving at the moment is that it did actually pass and that it's worth sticking with them. Is that something that you feel is a positive message or do you disagree? Well, there are a couple of things to say. One is, I mean, I've been saying for a long time that the evidence that antidepressants are actually effective is pretty minimal, is pretty slim. So I'm not sure from that point of view whether it's really worth sticking with them. But the other thing that I think it's important to recognise is that when the side effects pass, and, and some of them do, it's actually an indication that your body is adjusting to the presence of the drug. And that is likely to make it more difficult for you to stop the drug when you decide you want to stop. So although obviously it's better for you that the side effects pass, in the long run, it it might actually lead to further complications down the line. There is a school of thought, perhaps at the other end of the spectrum from yours, that in fact being on antidepressants lifelong wouldn't be such a bad thing. And that if you are the kind of person who is very, very anxious, for instance, being on a low dose of antidepressants, SSRIs, permanently could be a benefit. 
I, I think everyone needs to make their own choice about this. But many people will feel that actually the side effects of antidepressants don't make them worthwhile taking and will want to come off them at some point. And it's not just the immediate side effects. They do have various long-term health risks. What are the long-term health risks as an invested party? So there's evidence that they probably, is not absolutely certain, but probably increase the risk of various cardiac complications, including arrhythmias, abnormal heart rhythms and stroke. They cause osteoporosis and falls and fractures and bleeding, which is probably rare, but it's well known that SSRIs interfere with clotting, so they, they can lead to various bleeding complications. Hmm. So you'd say even if you were fine on them, they should still be seen as a temporary measure rather than, you know, I mean, people have compared it to diabetics taking insulin that, that some people might need to take it forever. I mean, I just don't think there's really any evidence that long-term antidepressants have a beneficial effect. I mean, we've got no randomised trials that last for any length of time that matches the sort of time that people take them for. So we really don't have robust evidence that they're helpful. As I say, you know, people need to make up their own minds, but there are health risks from, from remaining on them. And of course, you know, the longer people take them, it's likely that that it will become more difficult to get off them in the sense that the withdrawal symptoms that people experience will be more severe if you've been on them, on them for longer and the whole process of withdrawal is likely to be more difficult. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, if you are gradually tapering off over a long period of time, the withdrawal symptoms do seem to be much greater reduced. I think it works for some people, but some people, even with tapering, do seem to find the whole process extremely difficult, even despite making very small reductions, still experience quite debilitating withdrawal symptoms. For some people, it's fine. I'm not saying this is everyone's experience, but some people will experience real difficulties and it, and it will be a difficult process. What do you suggest then for someone who is suffering with severe anxiety or severe depression and, and would like to avoid taking medication? but doesn't really know what else to do. So, I mean, the things that have been shown to be helpful are exercise, CBT, some other forms of therapy, and most of all, trying to identify the causes of the anxiety or depression and, and trying to, to manage those. And if I can just say as well, I think this whole discussion about side effects really, really highlight that these are drugs that do change the normal state of the brain and we don't really understand how they're changing it and what the consequences of that are. And I do think that people need to be aware about that. But there's lots of medications that we use that we don't fully understand how they work, but they work and they improve symptoms and they have a benefit. So we use them. No, no of course, you're, you're right. But a couple of things to say, you know, firstly, we are talking about the brain and it's, you know, a very delicate organ that's very sensitive to drugs. And secondly, as I say, the evidence that these drugs really have substantial benefits is not there in my view. What about all of the big reviews? So there's lots of systematic reviews and meta-analyses that I've come across with hundreds of different trials showing that overall the antidepressants do have a benefit over a placebo. So what they show is that there's a very small difference between the antidepressant and the placebo, a difference that doesn't reach the threshold for what's generally considered to be clinically significant or even noticeable um, when you measure it by using other sort of general scales. And in addition, that small difference it may be caused by other things such as 
the fact that people can often tell whether they're taking the antidepressant or the placebo, so these trials aren't completely double blind. And we do know that people's expectations really influence outcomes. So if people think they are taking the active drug, even if they're taking placebo, that has a substantial effect on their outcome. So it's likely that that's a factor in producing this small difference between antidepressants and placebo. I feel like a lot of the research that you've done has been perhaps inspired by or informed by patients who've contacted you with their own stories and, and, and other doctors who have personal anecdotes from patients, real experiences that have, have been not good. I suppose it comes most broadly to the question of communication with patients, doesn't it? And that, that there's all kinds of guidance in the GMC that says that patients must be given information in a way that they understand. And perhaps that's what's really going wrong. Because, I mean, a lot of the people you speak to who have negative experiences seem to have not realised that this is a possibility when they first started taking the medicines. Absolutely. I, I think informed choice is the key thing. I, I'm not against people taking medication, but I just really do want people to know upfront before they start on something exactly what it's doing and to know the limits of what we know about these drugs. That's really important. It's really important to know there are some things we just don't know and we haven't researched very well at all. And yes, a lot of my work has been informed by people reporting terrible side effects that the medical profession haven't been aware of, partly because no one has been very interested in looking into those aspects of drugs. You know, the pharmaceutical industry do a few short-term trials, put the drug on the market. There's a little bit of post-market monitoring, but no one pays a lot of attention to that. And then everyone is exposed to them. So a lot of side effects do come to light by people raising it themselves. And that has changed my view on medication, actually, and really highlighted to me how delicate the brain is and how these drugs can interfere with normal brain functioning and produce, you know, lasting harmful effects for some people. Hopefully not, you know, a high proportion of people, but for some. Well, uh, Professor Moncrief, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to talk to you. Very interesting, as always. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you. We have quite good relationships with uh, the medical community, I like mm. to think, or certainly most of them. I mean, people have been critical that we invite critical psychiatrists <laughs> like Professor Moncrief on to talk. People with unusual views, I guess you'd say. Yeah, her view is unusual. Mm -hmm. But when you talk to her, I, and also, you know, I've, I've read a fair bit of her research mm. and I wouldn't say that it veers into... You know, I mean, I, th I think the implication that people make is that it's misinformation. But I do feel like perhaps there is a danger of not recognising the difficult end of the spectrum of negative experiences with psychiatric medication. I guess also the difficulty with mental ill health is that it is so wrapped up in subjectivity mm. and... Of course, if you have a patient that has a very complicated life, is going through lots of turmoil, various difficult life events, and also has a background of mental health problems, comes to you, you prescribe them a drug, you can see they're not in very good mental health, and then their mental health gets worse. It would be, I imagine, from a kind of psychiatrist's point of view, who is very used to prescribing drugs and seeing the positive effect of drugs, 
it would be perhaps easy to assume that it's the mental health problem and the difficult life that's causing these problems to become worse. And, Mm. and, you know, obviously an antidepressant isn't a magic bullet. It's not going to cure a terrible life and and awful hardships. But I personally think that that view would be dismissive. And I think that it's important that you know, every patient is is taken at face value and is, you know, treated for the problem that they believe that they have. Well, I mean, in your substack, you you, you didn't say this in the, in the way that you wrote it for the Mail on Sunday. You said you bloody love Prozac. I bloody love Prozac. You bloody love it. But interestingly, I think having inhaled a lot of the research over the past few days, I don't know whether I've slightly changed my view. I, I think I would probably be better off on citalopram or escitalopram because those drugs from the literature it would seem are less associated with this panic and anxiety and and I have recognized and again I don't know if it's just because I've been reading about it but I have recognized that I am the sort of physical jitteriness hasn't gone that's definitely still there and and I do have trouble sleeping sometimes but I do wonder I'm curious about if I was on something else would it be life-changing and would I be calmer because fluoxetine definitely hasn't made me calm. I, I feel like going back to what you said about drugs not solving life problems. Mm. But as your colleague, I'm aware that life, life is complicated at the moment. <laughs> yes. And I would say that you are handling everything very well. Well, you don't see me when I'm screaming and pulling my hair out. No, full disclosure, I'm I'm um, going through a, a marriage breakup at the moment, less than a year after I got married. That's a, another substack um, for another day. And I won't go into too much detail. But, but yes, that has obviously been extremely difficult and very emotionally taxing. But I, I am sort of getting up every day and getting on with it. And, and I, I don't know whether... That is because of the medication or it's because I'm spending more time with my wider circle who make me feel very supported and loved. And and I'm sort of got a newfound appreciation for my friends who I I didn't spend as much time with before and all of that kind of stuff. And and also probably realising that the life I was living maybe wasn't the best suited to me. I don't know. It could be lots of different things, but I'm, I'm sure that the medication it's helping me stay on a on a kind of even keel and i'm not having days where i'm completely all consumed with oh my god what am i going to do with my life which i can think about but it it doesn't ruin my day i sort of i'm able to kind of take a slightly lighthearted approach to things and still enjoy silly things in the day that that i maybe without the medication would have just taken no joy from at all Mm. But it's a theory. Who knows? And it might all end tomorrow. Well, you can read all about Eve's story in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and all the latest health news on mailplus.co.uk, on the Mail app, or in good old-fashioned newspaper format. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Okay, we need...